0: Thank you for that, Carol. (laughs) Tonight is a breaking out of chrysalis moment. (laughs) I don't normally speak in church, so it's going to be an interesting night. (laughs) Um, So hi, church. Hello. Um, Tonight I want to take you on a journey. And I'm going to try and be a storyteller because I like telling stories. So I want to tell you of a person who, in this story, dared to trust God and step out on the water. So someone who was bound and broken and filled with fear, but someone who also doubted God to do what he said he was going to do. Uh, It's a story of a journey where it's been a roller coaster at times. It's been high highs and low lows and white knuckles. And it's my story and it's God's story and it's of his goodness and what he's done along the way. But first of all, I have a question for you. How many would you agree that we serve a supernatural God? Yeah? Yeah? Well, that's good that you agree. (laughs) Um, That he will do whatever it takes to get our attention. Now, for me, I know that God speaks to everyone in individual ways, and sometimes that may seem absurd to others, but for God to get my attention it normally has to be something like really big or something that slaps me really hard. (laughs) You see, I can be quite stubborn, and I can turn my ears off. And I can want my own way and steamroll to get it. But God doesn't want it like that. And tonight as I was preparing my message, looking back over the, the past five years, trying to put everything into a timeline, I realized that the journey hasn't started over the last five years. it's actually started way further back, as far as I can remember. So growing up, for those who don't know, I, I grew up in a church uh, with my, my family. And it was a church that was very strong in teaching on the Old Testament, So we kept all the Jewish laws, the dietary requirements, the holy days and tithing and all that sort of stuff. And throughout it all, my parents would tithe not only first, but second and third tithe. But for me, um, growing up, life was a struggle. We always never quite had enough. And so I came to this belief that even though we were giving to God all the things we were meant to, that God was a holdout God, that God was a stingy God, and that he wouldn't you know, pour out his blessing. So that kind of set up a mindset which wasn't quite right, which I realized years later. So the other thing which, not that we were taught, but something that sort of just happened, was that I thought God only spoke to the ministers and the leaders of the church, um, so that we didn't hear his voice, we heard his voice through them. So on the flip side of that, that's not all bad, by the way, <laughs> But on the flip side of that, we had some amazing um, creative people in church who wrote uh, songs and hymns to the scriptures. Now, one of them um, was based on, round your leave, you never forsake you. I'll be your helper and your friend. Fear not the things that some men will do. I'll be with you till the end. And that stuck. And I remember that from being three years old. And it's had a sneaky habit of just popping up throughout the years, time and time again. And it has encouraged me at times, but there's been times when I've been far from God and haven't even thought of that. So long story short, I grew up in Hawke's Bay, and at the time, that's on the east coast of North Island, for those who don't know, um, and at the time life was interesting, to say the least, I was doing a bit like I'm doing now, swatting it. Everything was composed, but underneath, going hard out. <laughs> Nothing was really coming together. But I was attending a great church called Bay City Outreach Centre. It was one of the biggest churches in Hawkesway at the time, it had about 700 people, um, under the leadership of a man called Mike Connell. Now, for those of you who know Mike and the leaders at the church at the time, he was very strong in deliverance and healing ministry and teaching the congregation how to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So for me, this was very foreign to what i would grown up from. We were getting taught to hear God's voice. You don't hear God's voice. Like, what? (laughs) Taught to prophesy and lay hands on the sick and see them healed and and all the other stuff, the good things of God. So all the while I could get words for people and prophesy and declare God's word over their life, but I struggled to hear God's voice for me. And that's really frustrating. Um, Now here's the title of my message here God did speak to me one day and the title of my message is do trust me that kind of stopped me in my tracks because the answer was no I didn't trust God because of my understanding and my beliefs that I had what I'd grown up with and circumstances throughout life unbeknownst to me God was going to take me on a journey which I had to rely on him and I had to have trusted him there was no other way to put it in context, at the time, my health wasn't good. Um, I'd suffered burnout in a previous job, which is not ideal. Um, I'd had 12 friends move away in 12 months. Not ideal. <laughs> and I had been legally made bankrupt from bad decisions, which is a whole other story. So that just reinforced my poverty mindset. Um, I was desperately hoping life would change, And I could see life changing for everyone else but didn't see it changing for me because, like I say, God was a holdout God. Why would he help me? You see, he wanted me to take full trust in him but my identity at the time was in all those different things. I was looking to my friends and my job and my family and my finances to find out who I was and trusting in them and not God. You see, he wanted me to have my identity firmly rooted in him so that when the next storm came... (laughs) which it did, <laughs> I would run to him first. So here begins my journey and my story. I pulled a sickie from work. I'll admit it. <laughs> um, <ooh. laughs> and a couple of friends obviously saw my car out the front of my house and turned up for morning tea. Hmm. Strange that. So they were outside, we were talking away, and then it was this awkward silence, and they kind of gave this look at each other. And then one of them launched into this, Mal, we've been praying for you. "Uh Uh-huh. That's nice. We feel God's taking you on a journey. Mm -hmm. We feel um, it's not here in Hawke's Bay that you're moving to Christchurch. And I was like, what? "Hmm." So they carried on talking and I got mad. I got real mad because I did not want to hear that because Hawke's Bay was familiar to me. My family and friends were there. My church was there. My job was there. After a while, I couldn't really take it anymore, so I asked them to leave. <laughs> Not a great day, <laughs> but um, you know, I was just sitting there thinking, "How dare you come to my house and tell me that you don't know my struggles? Like, what's going on?" I remember going inside and shutting the door, bursting into tears, and telling God exactly what I thought. God, how how could you want me to move away? This is everything I know. And the words I remember saying was, I'll be all alone. Now, at that point, that verse did not come back to me because I didn't want to hear about it. So I carried on the day, trying to forget about what was happening, went to bed that night, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, which I've now come to realise is a time that God usually has a habit of waking me up, I woke up to the words clearly in front of me, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And I cried. Now, I'm not a very good crier. I'm quite a noisy, messy crier. And my friend was across the hallway, sound asleep, or so I thought. 2.30 in the morning, my door flies open. She's standing there with a cup of coffee and says, Just go. Do what God's telling you to go. Be the person you intend to be. God will look after you. And she shut the door and went back to bed. (laughs) It undid me. It really did. So the following day, I was actually rostered off work. And so I thought, I need some prayer around this because this is not good. So I went and saw a lady from church and asked her just to pray into it. And so we did. And as I left, she said, Mel, you need to go to your boss and you need to talk to her about it because this is a big deal if you're moving to Christchurch because his head office was down here in Christchurch. You know, I would also said to God, God, I can't go. I'll be all alone. I don't know anyone. I can't go and work in head office because there's no room for me. It's post-earthquake. We're working out of port It's not going to happen. And I have no money. My car's dying. It won't even make it. Like, I'm not going to Christchurch. <laughs> so anyway, I, I listened to what this lady said, and I went home, and I called my boss. And I said, Claire, this is Mel. She's like, oh, did you enjoy your day off the other day? I said, yes, I did. And she said, what, what can I do for you? So hypothetically speaking... If I was to look at moving to Christchurch, there wouldn't be room in the porticon for me, would there? And she said, "Yes.", I said, "Oh, <laughs> okay." And she turned around and said, "When are you moving? I'll make room for you. Make your mind up and let me know. I'll give you a few more days off to decide." She then said, "Now, because you've been doing software training, I want you to do uh, software testing. I want you to do the company-wide training, so I want to fly you down every week for eight weeks." And I'll pay for two bags for you to move your belongings if you decide to come. And you can store it here at work. Mm. (laughs) So the next day, one of the ladies who had come round decided that she would boldly call me. She was one of the ones who dropped the, we feel you're moving bomb. And said, Mel, I've been talking to mum and dad. They have a house in Rolleston. They have a hundred square metre flat on their property, which is currently empty. And you can rent it if you like for a nominal amount. Hmm. Number two was tucked. <laughs> you know, I was blown away. I was actually shocked because even though I was doubting God, He was still coming through. Right. It's so good. You know, I still had this mindset God can't do the third one. He can't pull that off, like provide for me because I had this belief, you know, that God's not wanting to, do, to bless me. So the week went by and Sunday came. Now, I had a feral attitude by Sunday because this had been rocking around in my head and I was mad with God because I didn't want God to make me do something that I didn't want to do. So I went to church and I told God that morning, I'm only staying for the worship. That's it. I'm going home. Well, God had other ideas, (laughs) as he usually does in my stubbornness. (laughs) And at the end of the worship, there were two elderly women sitting in front of me and one of them said, come here. Now the ones with the purple rinse hair and and all that going on. And there were two women who were part of our intercessory prayer team. And they'd been praying. And they handed me a piece of paper. This is the piece of paper. When you get a word from God, I encourage you, if it's written down, to keep it. Because you can go back to it and you can declare it. And you can see what God's done. So on this piece of paper is Isaiah 43:18 and 19. And it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It also says on this piece of paper, Jesus will release your feet from the fowler's snare. Now at the time, I was like, what's that? Well, a snare is anything that... A hunter will put a snare out to trap an animal. Unless he's like Garth and Israel and tries to shoot it. But (laughs) a snare for me was anything that was entrapping me, holding me back, keeping me shackled and from moving forward. So, yeah, they put that down. I was like, oh. And at the bottom it says, I believe God has a great plan. The old has gone. The new is beginning. was speaking and my ears were turned on. I decided to stay that day. I changed my mind. And lo and behold, the message was, hearing God's voice in the middle of making a decision. <laughs> I didn't stay long after the service that day. I hightailed at home. But God had my attention. A few days later, I had a gentleman call from church. He was on our worship team. And he said, Mel, can we come visit you tonight, my wife and I? We just want to talk to you about something. Okay, yep, that's all good. So they came over and we talked away of the things that had been happening and I didn't mention about the so-called journey that was happening. Then when they were just about to leave, they they said, oh, we believe you're going on a journey. We love you. We believe in you. And we want to bless you as you go. And they pulled out a cheque for $3,000. Gold was moving. Gold was moving. Even though I didn't want to go. <laughs> You see, God was taking me on a journey that I didn't want to go on. I was still doubting God to come through. The following day to that was my birthday. And I hadn't planned anything much apart from getting my car serviced, which was dying. And so I took it to the mechanic and said to him, can you please just give it a service and a quote to fix it? And he said, yeah, that's fine. And he gave me this blue, ugly car as a courtesy car. So because I had a full tank of gas... I thought, oh, I'll go and see Mum and Dad. So I toodled on to Napier to see Mum and Dad, robbed on up the drive. And Dad, being the ex-mechanic he is, he comes running out, does the whole once-over around the car, checking the struts, looking at all things under the engine, he lifts up the boot. And he says, you're going to buy this car. What? And he goes, I believe you're going to buy this car. I said, oh, I don't have the money. And he said, well, the car's for sale. It's got a sign on the back here. It says $5,000. Go and tell them you're going to buy it. Have some faith. Now, my dad's a man of faith, by the way. (laughs) So for my dad, when God says do it, you do it. There's no option. So I left there thinking my father was crazy because I didn't have the money. I had $3,000. I did not have $5,000. So I parked my car at the front of my house and went inside. My friend came out and goes, what's that ugly blue car? I'm like, oh, it's for sale. It's ugly. Nah. Nah. She goes, how much is it? I said $5,000. She says, are you buying it? No, I don't have the money. She goes, but you got given $3,000 yesterday. I'm like, "We'll do the math. <laughs> it's $5,000. She says, I'll give you $2,000. And on the spot, she transfers it through to my account. I'm like, God, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so I drove to the mechanic. The car was ready to be picked up. And I said, how much to fix my car? It's $1,500. And I'm like, oh, I do have the money, but how much is it to trade my car in on that thing? Because I know it's for sale. And they said, $1,500. So if I give you $3,500 now, we'll swap cars. Yeah. So I drove home in the blue Mazda Demio. I just got a new car and had $1,500 left in the bank to move to Christchurch. <laughs> you see... God was taking me on a journey. It was one of trust and one of faith and one of stepping out and seeing his hand move. Had I not have heard his voice through others and in different ways, I wouldn't be here in Christchurch now. You see, he used people that I trusted as his mouthpiece. So God speaks in different ways, not normally a booming voice from heaven or a small voice. Not just that, which he does, but in a way which I understood. See, God has a plan for our lives but it's up to us if we follow it. We've been given free will and we can choose to follow it or not but I can tell you that it goes better when you do. You know, when I look back at the time, would I have wanted it to be any different? Absolutely. There are things that I had to go through that I don't want to go through again but now when I look back I'd go through it again because I know the work that God can do in you. You see, he needed to take me out of the situation I was in and the area of familiarity and where I was comfortable and strip all those things away so that I had full reliance, trust, and dependency on him. And for me, there was no other way to do it. God had to hit me with a brick. (laughs) You know, moving down here has not been a walk in the park. It's been five years now. But it's the best thing I've ever done. God has not left me. God has not forsaken me. God has been true to his word. I now know who I am, and I'm a daughter of God. My identity is founded in him. It is not found in the things surrounding me. And every time I try and step back and have my identity there, he quickly pulls me back. You know, I know his voice. I now know that I can hear his voice for me. It's not just for everybody else. I've been blessed, I've been shown favor in so many ways. I've had opportunities to step out. I've not been alone. I've made amazing friends who I call family. And a lot of you are here today, which is really cool. It's beyond anything I could dream or ask for. It honestly is. You see, God took a broken person, me, and took me to a city which was broken from the earthquake a city which was being restored. And he has restored me. I told him I didn't want to come here. But this is the best place for me to have restoration in my heart. I'm really glad he did. You know, we can trust in God's word because it is true. And I know that. You see, in, I think it's Numbers, let's just find it. Numbers 23, 19 says... God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said it, will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make good? You see, God said it, so he has to do it. So God said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. So that means I'm never alone. So for us, we need to approach God boldly. We need to come to him and say, God, in your word it says... God, in your word it says, and remind him of his promises. Now, that's not being rude or anything like that. That's just saying, come on, God, I want to see what you say manifest in my life. And actually stepping out and trusting him in that and praying it until you uh, see things change. You see, God delivered on every single promise to the Israelites. You know, they moaned and groaned, but he still led them out of slavery and into the promised land. And God led me out of captivity and into an area where only he can do the work in me. It wasn't in my timing, absolutely not. (laughs) It wasn't in the Israelites' timing, but it was in God's timing. And that's the best timing. You know, God's word goes out and it accomplishes all that it's sent to. It is alive. You know, this is a living, breathing thing. So church, I actually want to ask you a question. I want you to ask it to yourselves. Ask yourself, do I trust God? It's not such a simple question, really. There's no yes, uh, no right or wrong answer at all. If the answer was no, like myself, I encourage you to ask God to reveal himself to you and ask you why you have that belief of whatever or as to why why you don't trust him for him to come through for you. You know, ask him to work on that thing in your life, preventing you from receiving from God or stepping out. You know, don't be captive to your own thoughts, just because of what circumstances you've been through or what beliefs you have. You know, allow God to replace the lies with the truth. His promises are yes and amen to us. Um, God will never leave you; he won't, and I can honestly tell you that. You see. Israel nearly stole my message this morning. <laughs> because I have Deuteronomy 31.6 here. And it says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear or be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one that goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. You know, God went bef- like before me the whole step of the way. He gave me strength and he gave me courage And he's never left me. He's made good on his promise, time and time again. But he had to strip away all the things I was depending on in order to come to that place. You know, he knows us by name. He has a plan for each and every one of us. He'll fight for us. You know, it says, just be still, the Lord will fight for you. He's our refuge. We can run into his arms. Dad, help. Just do what you need to do because I can't do it. You know, he's always with us and he won't let us down. So what does trust look like? (laughs) Well, for me, it's not looking to the circumstance in front of me. It's looking to God and saying, God, no matter what I see, I'm choosing to look to you to come through. I can't fix it, but you can. And then it's waiting on God, and that is the hard part. You know, we're so accustomed to wanting an instant reply and things just done just like that. But God's above that. You know, it's in the walking through things and the the delay at times that God is working everything out for good and for his purpose. Just have to trust him. So church, that's my story, or part of it. It's a journey that I'm on with God, and he's shown me many things. He set me free from many things in the last so many years, and I'm so grateful. Had I kept being stubborn as I was, I don't know what life would look like. I wouldn't have stepped out of the boat or climbed out of the chrysalis. And if He can do it for me, He can do it for you. So good. You know, God is good, and God is faithful. Amen.